Hello and welcome to Catalyst Online. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Catalyst. And today we're continuing in our series on making the adventure personal. Today is part four, which is the 100,000 hour adventure, trusting God through career decisions. And the main thing today is loving God from nine to five. Now, work has probably spawned some of the best humor that we've ever seen. Uh, I found these awesome memes uh, to, to start out. Check this out. Number one, that face I make when I see you leaving work earlier than me. Number two, when your alarm goes off in the morning and you think to yourself, do I really need this job? <laughs> Number three, the hardest part of my job is being nice to stupid people. <laughs> Number four, when your coworker asks a question that makes the meeting go on for 25 more minutes, I have made that face many times in those kind of meetings. Number five, my job has this cool thing where if you do your job very well, you get to do other people's jobs too. Uh, number six, when you're about to leave work and the boss says, before you go, <laughs> I love doing that to John and Rob and Jenny, it's awesome. Uh, number seven, when something, so, someone asks you a dumb question at work, what would you do with a brain if you had one? And my all-time favorite from my all-time favorite news clip ever, when you try to work from home. <laughs> I call work the 100,000-hour adventure. The average person will spend about 100,000 hours of their lives working. That's 50 weeks a year, 50 hours a week, times 40 years. That's a lot of time. Many of us, if not most of us, don't really give uh, uh, God any say in what we do. Never consult God. Never pray over career decisions. Uh, we simply go with what sounds good. Uh, what will earn us the most money? What is available? Uh, does God have anything to say about how we spend 100,000 hours? Absolutely. See, 100,000 hours is a long time to be doing something other than what God designed us for. And so many of us will der derive a sense of identity from what we do for a living. And so it is very, very, very important uh, that we know uh, that we consult God in, in what we do for a living. Over my time in youth ministry and my time in coaching soccer, I've basically been around teenagers ever since I was one. Um, it has showed me that many, if not most, young people don't consider God's will when deciding what to do with the living, for, for, for a living. Most adults don't either. Um, even in the church, we don't really guide young people into careers uh, that, that will honor God. Um, uh, what I found is basically this is what we tell young people. We tell young people, go to school. Why do we go to school? So you can get a good job. And, and a good job is one that makes a lot of money. And a lot of money will allow you to buy a lot of stuff. That's basically the thought process of a lot of us. And, uh, and so I want you to stop to think about how unchristian that is. Think about that. Now, you need to go to school. You need to, to get a good education. But the purpose of an education is to enable you to serve with a high level of effectiveness. It is not just so you can do whatever you want. It is to enable you to serve in God's kingdom with a high level of effectiveness. Um, and that's it. That's the reason. Serve? Well, serve where? Well, good question. Wherever God sends you, whatever profession God sends you to, the title of this is Making the Adventure Personal. We've talked about grief and loss. We've talked about finances. We talked about marriage and dating last week. And we've asked a question in each one of those, do we trust God enough to follow him in these areas of our lives? And, and now we ask the question, do we trust God enough to follow God in this area in our jobs and careers? 
And many times people will tell me, well, I just want to know what God's will is for me. Well, uh, there are actually two types of God's will. Before we get into this, we have to understand there are two types of God's will. There's God's general will. And that's what Second uh, Peter 3.9 says. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God's general will for you is, first of all, for you to be saved, for you to be saved from your sins, to repent of your sins and to, and to turn to God. He, you know, he wants you to produce fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control. He wants you to forgive. He wants all to love enemies. He wants us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, like John, James 1.19 says. He wants us to do all those. those. Those are for everybody. Okay, that's God's general will. But the second is he has a specific will for you. Tailor-made to you. Not for anyone else, but tailor-made to you. Um, in First Peter 4.10, it says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, this is individual to you. Big difference between general and specific. Um, some... Um, for when it comes to your God's general wills for everyone, but for you, it's where to, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, where you'll go to school, what you will do for a living. And before we go any further, we have to understand this. God's specific will for you will never contradict his general will for you. Let me say that again. His specific will for you will never contradict his general will for you. If you're wondering about his specific will, first check his general will. It, it's, it is not in his will, specific will for you to sell drugs or to work in an abortion clinic. Those things contradict his general will for everyone. So it can't be his specific will for you. I saw a teenager one time, McDonald's, uh, you hadn't been to church in a while. I asked where he'd been, and he told me he'd been working on Sunday mornings. And uh, it, it said it all fit into his plan to go to college. He was going to work, he was going to be debt-free, uh, all this kind of stuff. Gave me all the right Dave Ramsey answers, knew how to push my buttons, this kind of thing. And I told him, this is not God's will for you. And he looked at me kind of funny, and I said, does God want you to work? Yes, he does. But would God ever call you away from the church? No, God's general will is for everyone to be saved, everyone to be faithful. His specific will for you would never contradict that. And I said, man, you've got the rest of your life to work, but right now, this young age you're at, you're making some big decisions when it comes to faith. You need to be in church. Well, his parents got mad at me for saying that. Um, they, he can do his own thing at home. We, we, we don't need to be in church to practice faith, et cetera. Heard all that. That young man is now in his 20s. He's not in church. Walked away from the faith. And his mom told me how devastated she was when uh, uh, he decided to leave the church. Parents, when you tell your children that things are more important than their faith, don't be surprised when they learn that, okay? Uh, neither that young man nor his parents sought God's will in that situation. And unfortunately, seems to be the norm for most of us. So do we trust God to follow in career decisions? Well, here's what God's word says about work. The first thing that we have to do about 100,000 an hour from loving God from nine to five, what we do for a living must be God-honoring. Okay, the, for, for the greatest commandment Jesus gave us, Mark 12, 30. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And that applies to the 100,000 hours you will spend working. Seems like a no-brainer, but everything goes off of this concept. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine when I was in college. I just made the decision to go into ministry. And he told me, he asked me how I came to that decision. And I, I kind of told him a little bit, and he was scratching his head. And he, I'll never forget his words. He told me this. He said, I wish that I had something like that because all I do at my job 
is make rich men richer. That's what he said. He says, I don't really do anything worthwhile. And what we do for a living must be God honoring. With all we labor and do, we must love God through it. One cannot be a Christ follower and earn a living doing something against his word. Okay, that goes beyond what is legal and illegal. There are things that are legal that are not moral. Prior to 1863, it was perfectly legal to be a slave catcher, to chase runaway slaves and bring them back. In Nazi Germany, it was was an enviable job to work for the Gestapo. It was legal to work for the SS and round up Jews and gas them in chambers. Um, In our country, it's perfectly legal to be an abortion doctor. Uh, Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's God-honoring. Okay, and just the first thing we must understand is that our 100,000 hours that we spend working must shout to the world the greatness and the glory of God. And we are to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all we, with all we feel, with all we believe, with all we think, with all we do. I wish I could talk to that friend right now that said all he did was make rich men richer. I wonder if I asked him what he, if he did for a living was loving God, was shouting the greatness of God. I wonder what he would say. But it's not only our kind of work must be God-honoring. The way we work must be God-honoring. Believe me, your coworkers are watching you. Are you the first one to leave? Are you always late? Believe me, your coworkers are watching. Um, when I was in seminary, I worked in a lumberyard. Um, I loved it. Good hard work. First shift, 7, 7 a.m. to 3.30 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Um, it was great. But I was surprised. One of the new guys that came in the summer before I went to seminary, it was a guy named Mike, and he was starting Asbury Seminary in the fall, just like I was. And I thought, this is great, it's awesome. Within three days, within three days, Mike had lost the respect of all the guys. He was late every single day, sometimes 15, 20 minutes. We would all clock in. He would be pulling up. We had already started working. He'd be pulling up into the parking lot. Always had an excuse. He always had an excuse for why he couldn't do the heavy lifting. Always, uh, he was the weakest link, and everyone knew he was going to be a minister and uh, to a bunch of blue-collar, foul-mouthed, hard-working, hard-living, just scraping by kind of guys, Mike was about the worst thing that could have happened to the kingdom there. And the way he worked was a bad representation of God's people. Our work must be God-honoring. Must be God-honoring. And I learned from that situation. I learned from watching Mike and seeing the disrespect that he got. And I made it my, my desire right then that if I ever left a job They would have to hire two people to replace me. That was my goal. I was going to work so hard and do so much that if I ever left, they'd have to hire two people. That's my goal. And that is a great way to honor God with the way that you work. Make that your goal as well. The second thing that we we do is that we must, what we do for a living must be neighbor honoring. The second commandment Jesus gave us was exactly like the first. Mark 12, 31. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment says just like it. Uh, Will you be able to love? Will you be able to serve people where you work? Will you be able to love your neighbor as yourself? Okay. Uh, We're spending 100,000 hours in our place of work. And if you can't love God and love people where you are, you need to find someplace new or change your current place. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the jobs I had when I was in college, I worked at the mall, uh, the now defunct Lexington Mall. And it was a, there was this amazing old lady that, that worked there. She'd been working in retail, I believe, for about 35 years. She survived retail for 35 years. I mean, that's like, that's incredible. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget this one day. A homeless woman wandered in. She was dressed 
You could tell she was homeless. And um, the, uh, the rest of us younger guys just kind of rolled our eyes. We're like, oh, man, we're going to have to deal with this. And this is, you know, all. It, 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 we knew she wasn't going to be buying anything. And, you know, that, that was our thought, thought process. And this lady who'd been, who'd been working in retail for 35 years said, I'll handle this. She walked over, and I elbowed my buddy and said, hey, watch this. She's going to take care of this. And to my surprise, she walked straight up to the lady and said, ma'am, may I help you? Could I show you some of our dresses? And the, the, the lady looked at her and said, I think I like that one. When she pointed to like this five or $600 dress, that was a big, that was a lot of money back then. Still is today, but that was a lot of money back then. And we all knew there was no way she had five or 600 bucks. There was no way she was buying this thing. Didn't matter to, the, to my coworker. She said, I think that would look lovely on you. Let's see if we have it in your size. And she, she went and she, she said, would you like to try it on? And the lady looked at her real strange, and she kind of grabbed it from the, from, from the sales lady and said, where are the dressing rooms? And said, I will walk you over to the dressing room. So she led her, gave her a personal escort over to the dressing room, and I was watching this. This is amazing. So she went in there, and she helped the lady try on the dress, and looked at it, says, and said to the lady, you look lovely in this. And just like we knew, like we suspected, as soon as she was done trying it on, the, lady said, the, the homeless lady said, well, I've changed my mind. I don't want this old rag. And she, she, she apparently took it off. And the co-worker said, that's no problem. She put it back on her, put it back on the rack and hung it up there and, and helped the lady get dressed again and came back out. And as, as walked away, she said, ma'am, it's been an honor serving you today. If you ever need anything else, you ask for me. And the lady left. And I was blown away. Here I was, the guy going to be a minister who was, no, I was not going to help this lady because I knew she wasn't going to be buying anything and she was probably going to steal something, all those things that were going through my mind. And yet this lady showed us up. She treated the woman as she would have treated Jesus. And I think there's good theology in there because what we do to the least of these is how, what we do to Jesus. She served that woman with dignity. She, she gave that, the, the woman all the attention she would give a paying customer. And that was a, an amazing uh, illustration of loving your neighbor at work. The third thing that we have to do is that we, what we do for a living must provide for our families. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Isn't that amazing? God's word has some pretty sharp words for people who don't provide for their families. Um, it's not the government's job to provide for you. It's not your friend's job to provide for you. The Bible is very, very clear. Now, many people from time to time will need help. That's not what we're talking, that's not what this verse is talking about, okay? That's not it. Um, this verse is for someone who feels no need whatsoever to provide and makes a lifestyle of avoiding that. Um, Proverbs 12, 11 correlates with this. It says this, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Okay, several years ago, there's a young couple that came to me for counseling and they needed some help. And over, over the next three years, I worked with them. And I kid you not, the young husband um, had seven jobs and started three businesses, none of which lasted more than two or three months, right? Uh, he only wanted to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to start his own business and, and, and what he wanted to do, he wasn't very good at and didn't have the self-discipline to make it happen. 
And he told me all the excuses. He didn't like jerk bosses, and, and he, he hated grunt jobs, and he was dying inside, and he wasn't fulfilled, and all these things that he told me why he couldn't work a day job. And I told him, man, I get it. I do. I planted the church. I pastored. I started it. I understand uh, wanting to do your dream job. I, I get that. I really do. And I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I said, except you can't pay your bills or provide for your family, and your marriage is falling apart because your wife is tired of your nonsense, okay? Um, and she's tired of these, this new scheme you have every couple of months. She's tired of having to scrape by, okay? This is bad. And I said, if you want to own your own business, you want to start your own business, that's awesome. Do it, but work a nine-to-five while you're making that happen. That's what you have to do. You have to provide for your family. Listen to what the Bible says, and I read these verses to them. So right now, the Bible has some harsh words for you, man. You need to provide for your family, and that is what we must do. To honor God, we provide for our families. Uh, number four, um, the next thing that God's word says is who we work with is as important as the work that we do, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. Who we work with, people, is as important as the work we do. Don't ever miss that. Um, if you are around toxic coworkers that that kill your uh, your joy and they drag you down and 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 they depress you and they destroy your faith with all their negativity and gossip and drama and everything like that, you need to find someplace else to work. You really do. All right. If your work life is causing you to come home tired, depressed, discouraged, in a bad mood, and it starts to destroy your relationships at home, and you rain all over your kids and your and your spouse and, and your friends, and you're just a black hole with sucks the joy out of everyone because of the day you had at work, you need to find a different place. It is not honoring God to work in a place that turns you into a monster. Okay? Life is too short to do that. And parents, while we're talking about this, if you have children who are of working age, pay special attention to who your child is working with. All right? Pay attention to who their coworkers are. If they're teenagers, are they working around a lot of college and 20-somethings that live in a very different world than your high school or middle school kid? Okay? They live in a different world. Your, your, your teenagers are going to be spending a lot of time with these people. And the, uh, so, uh, so, some people that your kids work with do not have your children's best interests at heart. They live in a different world where there's not conducive to teenagers and their adult lifestyle and their freedom can look real appealing to your teenagers and they're not ready for that yet. Be very, very careful who you work with and who your kids work with. That's, that, that is very important. Remember, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. Be very careful. Number five, the thing that God's word says, what we do for a living. This is the most important one. What we do for a living is ministry. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Did you get that? Okay, that is what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to use what God has put within us, the gifting, the talent, the, the, the unique way that you are made to, in your profession to serve others, to do ministry. We are to be faithful stewards of God's grace at the place that we work. 
That is what we, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, William Carey had one of my favorite quotes about this. I love this. William Carey was a missionary. Um, he, was a, he, was, he was known as the father of modern missions. But he said this while he was preparing to go to the mission field. He, um, he, he was accused of neglecting his business in order to do ministry. And he responded with this. He said, neglecting my business, sir? My business is to extend the kingdom of God. I only cobble shoes to pay expenses. He said, I only work my business to pay expenses. My work is ministry. And I would love for every person in this church, every person listening to this message, to get that into your minds, that you are doing ministry. If you're a Christian, your job is to do ministry. You work to pay the bills. It's a radical uh, uh, thought change that we have to make. You are not a businessman or a businesswoman who is a Christian. You are not a teacher who is a Christian. You are not a manager who is a Christian. You are a Christian who happens to be a businessman or businesswoman. You are a Christian who happens to teach. You are a Christian who happens to be a manager. Okay, you are a Christian who does those things. Our identity, we need to flip it around. We're not just a businessman that happens to be a Christian. No, no, no. We're a Christian that happens to do business. And when when that mindset changes, all of a sudden our entire life focus changes. Uh, Like William Carey said, our business is to extend the kingdom of God. That's what you're here for, okay? Uh, We only teach or manage or run our business to pay the expenses of that, right? Wherever you are, you are to do business. Ministry, wherever you are, you are to serve people as Jesus would serve them, as you, would, uh, you are to treat people as if you were treating Jesus this way. You are to be the kind of employee that would be waiting on Jesus. That's how we are supposed to work. That is how we do ministry. Because everyone can serve, everyone can do ministry, right? One of the most amazing work-related decisions I've ever seen was made by my wife, Rachel. Um, she, uh, Ra- Rachel has... Where, wherever she has been, she's been promoted like, to, the, to the top as quick as possible. She was, she was a nurse for, uh, at St. Joe uh, Hospital in Lexington for a, a, a night shift for a year and a half. She was promoted to, to shift manager right out of, right out of college. Uh, a young 22-year-old got promoted to shift manager. Then she uh, went to uh, a, a doctor's office. Within a year and a half, she was promoted to manager there. Everywhere she goes, she gets promoted. And because she's got a great work ethic, she treats people with respect, okay? And so um, at about five years ago or so, the place where she was working part-time asked her to go full-time to make her a manager where she was working. It would have been a $1,000 uh, raise a month, a thousand extra dollars a month. Now, when you are a ministry family, a church planner's family with three small children uh, looking at college, a thousand dollars a month is a lot of money, and, and it was very tempting. Uh, she would get 401k, get benefits. We, not, none of, we didn't have any of those things. This would be the first time that, that we would have those things, and yet she would have to work full time. And we wrestle. We sat at the at the dinner table, and we talked about it and talked about it, and we were talking about all the things we could do with a thousand extra dollars a month, um, all the things we could do, we could start saving for retirement and all this kind of stuff with what she was doing. And then she looked at me and she said, My, I'm not a full-time nurse. I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. That's my ministry. Our children 
aren't getting any younger. And if I was to leave the house, I'd be missing, uh, work full time, I'd be missing soccer practice, and I'd be missing tennis matches, and I'd be missing uh, life, and I'd be missing the, the time I'd be exhausted when I come home from work, and I wouldn't be worth anything to the family. And we decided, primarily her, that the money wasn't worth it, that she was, her ministry was to her, to her family, and she was going to do that and sacrifice all the dollars that were being thrown our way. Best decision I think we've ever made as a family. Best decision, because the dollars don't really matter, but that time with our children, that time together as a family, we can't ever get that back. And I'm so glad she made that decision. She decided that she was to do ministry where she was. That is what she decided to do. And it was a blessing for us. It was a blessing for us all. See, our work must be God-honoring. Our work must be people-honoring. Our work must provide for our families. Our, who we work with is as, as important as what we do. And our work is ministry. Our jobs just pay the bills. Remember that. The last thing I want to say is I am big into recruiting people to go into full-time ministry, all right? Not everyone is called. Matter of fact, most people aren't. But if you are considering full-time ministry, if this message has hit you and you realize what you're doing isn't God-honoring and what you're doing isn't people-honoring and what you're doing is just not where you are, are supposed to be, and the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now, I want to ask you, have you ever considered doing full-time ministry? Right now is the best time for you to go into the ministry right now. Jesus said it himself, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's so much harvest and so few workers. We need you. Uh, We need you as a teammate. I'm a church planner. I'm a pastor. I want to have you as a teammate in the ministry, if you are considering it, I want you to call me, I want you to text me. I would love to talk with you about going into full-time ministry. We need you, the body of Christ needs you. Um, If you have a calling, now this is how you know if you're called to full-time ministry. If you could be happy doing anything else, you better go do that, that's that's it. But if you cannot imagine doing anything other than full-time ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, senior pastor, church planner, missionary, I wanna talk with you. And I, I want our church to be a huge recruiting field where we're sending people into ministry, sending people out to, to the four corners of the world. We're sending people to plant churches here in Central Kentucky, in America, where we're sending people to the mission field, sending people to the ministry. That is what we want to be as a church because I love being in ministry and I want for everyone that is called to experience that same joy. So it, that's the last thing that I will say. God bless you. You will spend 100,000 hours of your life working 100,000 hours at work. Make them count. Make them count for something more than a paycheck. Make those hours count for eternity. God bless you.